What's up, dude? What's going on? Still fighting that haircut, huh? Uh, I think it's a lost battle. <laughs> <laughs> the mustache is also like uh, is looking good. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, now that's actually been dealt with, especially you know, wearing masks and stuff. That that comes off. Um, it's very Zorro like. It looks very well. Like... You know, I did like that movie. <laughs> Someone checked out the sequel though. Don't know if I might get around to that. remember what the hell we're talking about we are talking about wet hot american summer oh shit that's right um i hate you for bringing this to the table i figured that was going to be the case so i didn't even bother looking for a clip on wet hot american summer i went with a different (laughs) different movie dilute the product a little bit so you you would have something else to talk about fucking cannot stand wet hot american summer I, i don't even like this brand of humor like this Matter of fact, absurdist bullshit. You ready to go? On the, yeah, oh yeah, I'm I'm already angry now. <laughs> Welcome to Marcus Played, where <laughs> strangely uh, on this this episode that's going to be very upsetting to my co-host Tyro. Y- y- you picked this movie in a strange way. I, I gave you <laughs> uh, a Sophie's Choice, I guess, uh, where yes. you wanted to, but you wanted to throw both <laughs> of the movies in the fire between what we're going to talk about, which is Wet Hot American Summer, and the other one was Pitch Perfect. Yeah, only if Sophie was Michael Denniston, just throwing both kids <laughs> into the abyss. There, there's no choice there for me. <laughs> Freedom is what I choose. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you went with the Wet Hot American Summer, I forget, because it was streaming somewhere. Probably Netflix. Abject laziness is pretty much yeah. what it was. Yeah. Isn't that weird, though, that Pitch Perfect is not streaming currently? Like That just seems like the type of movie that's going to be everywhere at some point. Mercifully. Well, okay. You say that before we get too much into it, though. Having seen or you know experienced again both, did you make the right choice there, Sophie? Oh, yeah. Do I hit myself in the head with a hammer or with a sledgehammer? I think <laughs> I picked poorly because this is trash. <laughs> so the the topic I'm going with this week was uh, playing off of what we did on the last episode where you wanted to, I guess, hold me accountable for my views of women in film as uh, manic pixie dream girls. Uh, and you, you kind of did the same to me. You, you, know, you slapped me in the face by <laughs> picking Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer. Uh, that was a, a quick cold shower and a, and a, a cure-all. Uh, for my perverted ways of late on yes, this show. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so I was like, well, you know, there have been men 
that have been quite manic in film. And since Hyro uh, put me through uh, the the new girl, uh, albeit a, a shortened version of it, I might give him damn near two hours of everyone being manic, and we're going to turn the quirk up uh, to to eleven. So yeah, I wanted to go with uh, a movie where everyone and everything is quirky. And there, there, there's not a quirky character. It's just like the entire environment, the world building is just based on quirk. And so, yeah, those two came to mind. And uh, you chose. I'm just going to keep emphasizing. Yeah, that. you, you chose keep, yeah, yeah. Wet Hot American Summer. But you had seen this before because you were grumbling about it at the end of uh, the last episode. Yeah, and I, now I remember you mentioning the the topic of quirkiness. And is it quirky or like quirky? Has like a a fun ring to it. The term quirky has <laughs> See, a fun ring to it. it. This is necessarily to me. I, I, I'm I'm already guarded when someone says somebody is quirky. Like if they're introducing me to this this character. So if you're telling me a movie is quirky, uh, I think I have my defenses up a little. Bit. Like I I see Sally from When Harry Met Sally as a quirky character. Yeah, of course she's you quirky. Do. I mean she's quirky. She's fun. She's a good time. But how often do you think about that movie? Like in various like you know contexts. I mean. I, I think you're just looking for any sort of excuse to, to think of when Harry met Sally. Yes, that, that is true. So you've got me there. But I don't see Paul Rudd's character here as being quirky. This is absurdist, simpleton behavior. This is – I don't even know what to call this. This is, this is not my brand of comedy, Mike. This is just not in my wheelhouse. It, it, everybody – it's nonsense. Like everybody's just – it doesn't even fit some sort of scheme of a plot – you know, I, I look at Janine Garofalo, and I see hate. I see red in my really because that's who I saw you as. If you're one of these uh, adult camp counselors, uh, far too adult, you know that, that's. I, I guess that's the initial joke or conceit is we're insulting. Gonna, well, I thought like, well, she's the one that uh, maybe it's the least quirky of the characters. Like she has like desperate. Her, she is. She is that. <laughs> she, Nobody listens to her. <laughs> no, I see uh, how you relate her to me. <laughs> yeah, in particular on this this episode. But I, I did wonder because I had seen this before, and I actually find. And I'll go ahead and introduce my podcast because, and thankfully for you, uh, they're not talking about Wet Hot American Summer, uh, but they're talking about another movie that I watched, um, kind of by accident. Uh, but it, it actually works out for this topic, which was a uh, tag. With uh, John Hamm and Ed I've Helms. never seen that. Okay, so but you you remember the concept? These grown yeah, men. they they're playing tag for twenty five years with the guy with the really nubby hands. Right. That I, I believe that was on the poster. That was <laughs> that's exactly how it's right across the yes. t- the banner. <laughs> uh, so that's a quirky concept, and they really they really leaned into uh, the fact that it was uh, a true story. Now they they took it. I think to extremes because this is a spoiler for you, but uh, during the uh, post credits, they they show some of the footage of the the real guys that it was based on who have continued this game well into adulthood. Wait, people do this in real life? Yeah. The, okay. So you you were focused on Jeremy Renner's nubby hands, so you missed the marketing hook. That yeah, this was this was based on a real group group of friends who uh, continued this game. Jesus, you hate these people already. What's wrong with them? <laughs> See, I, I thought I thought I was bringing something spreading coronavirus everywhere with their tag game. <laughs> well, yeah, that's 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 true. That, that would not be uh, uh, considered cool. Well, actually, I don't know if it was ever considered cool. But I actually thought I was bringing something to you here with tag that you would find palatable because it's it's about 
you know, grown men being childish, but it's about a yeah. friendship and a bond. Whereas Wet Hot American Summer is about people who are detestable to each Pedophilia. other. All right, so my podcast, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> and extreme cuckolding. There it is. When when are we going to get to that topic? And who who are going to be the poor bastards, the podcast that we highlight on our, our cuckolding episode? <laughs> so We're now not- your podcast. <laughs> We're not doing that here. I'm uh, bringing movie daters to the table, which this is another one of my uh, my particular quirks uh, that you are against. So n- nothing against this show, but you'll hate the fact that they they've not produced an episode uh, in 2020. They they looks like they wrap things up with Avengers Endgame. Uh, I don't know if it was purposeful because I, I did not listen to that episode, but I liked their episode on Tag the way they were. The, the sort of preface to their conversation. Two of the members in this are like big names, but they're not really known for their comedy. John Hamm. John Hamm and Jeremy Renner. Renner are both. I think they're both really funny, but they don't, they haven't had. I think they have both. Well, John Hamm has really, he's gotten recognized for his appearance on Saturday Night Live. He's yeah. hilarious on Kimmy Schmidt, but he's uh, yeah. most known for Don Draper, the tortured well, exec. Sure. You know, so. He has range, folks. Right. And Jeremy Renner is most known for Marvel, Marvel Hawkeye, where he plays serious secret agent dude. Yeah. But he has a few scenes in there where he gets to be funny. So yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting seeing him in a new role. Um, I think he kind of plays the plot motivator for a lot of this movie. So it should be interesting to see how he does. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm pretty excited about it. But, you know, like, I feel like these movies are going to be really hard to, like, review. Because how, like... E- I mean, you could go through the yeah. whole plot, but it's, like, so hard to convey. Like, we can't go word for word on jokes. Like, it's hard to really yeah, describe very, funny movies It's very hard to way. review comedies so, without giving away the whole comedy aspect. Like, it's, or, it's yeah. really just a review of, like, is it a funny movie or is it not? And also, I feel like comedies lend more to thinking it was funny right when you leave, and uh-huh. then later you're like, oh, that was kind of dumb. Or it's just like, oh, that wasn't very memorable, I can't remember what happened, like, I don't really care. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if I come out of this movie saying, this is hilarious, go see it, and then two days later I'm like, eh. Yeah, but that's how most comedies are. Uh, that they, unlike Wet Hot American Summer, they're talking about that the casting is very important uh, for a silly concept like this, that you actually ground it with actors who are known for more dramatic fare. So they were really emphasizing John Hamm as far as like, okay, this guy's doing right. something silly and that is inherently funny, but it's counter to something like Wet Hot American Summer with the way they are playing it, uh, where I don't even think they care if you accept <laughs> the reality of the world. It's just gag after gag after gag. Uh, but the other thing they talked about in regards to comedy was that comedy is difficult to talk about on the podcast. It's like, it, yes. it comes down to, as you said, I find this funny or I don't. And even if you're really high on a film, uh, you're, you're probably running the risk of making it sound fairly lame. If you're just running through, I like this joke. I like that joke because then you're explaining the joke. So I liked that, you know, and they end up producing a, a solid episode on it, but they, they had some of my same fears uh, about talking about wet, hot American summer. So mostly I'm hoping that this is going to be like 20 more minutes of just hate and bile from you on this, right. on this fact. Yeah, that's all I've got. <laughs> it, 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 com- you know, they do have a point that, that comedy is difficult to talk about because you become the Chris Farley character in Saturday Night Live. Remember the scene right. that you were so awesome? And, you know, that kind of, even as a listener, you know, I, I there are podcasts like that, you know, that do that, that thing. Um, scene by scene, minute yeah, by yes. minute. Oh, 
none of that happens here, but nobody downloads this. So I don't know if we're, maybe that's the way we should be doing it. I mean, with your emphasis on cuckolding, uh, you see it everywhere. And my predilection to <laughs> introduce uh, ball sacks <laughs> and buttholes into the conversation, maybe we were doing it wrong. I like to think we're doing it right. But, you know, maybe a lot of people, and by a lot, I mean like a dozen, think that Marcus played veers into wet, hot American summer territory. Wow. Now you reach full <laughs> insult that we are the wet hot American summer of podcasting. Oh man, that's you know that's I, on insult re- of insults. On rewatch, because I remember I think I saw this one somewhere on video closer to when it came out. I think this came out in two thousand one. And uh you know, I might have seen it a few years after the fact. I didn't remember liking it. But I didn't remember much about it other than the the conceit, the the, the fact that these you know middle aged actors are are playing teenagers, and I start watching it. I was watching it with my poor beleaguered wife, who uh, you put had, her through a lot of trauma with this podcasting stuff. She's had um, she's had that reaction. Uh, I'm I'm on a bit of a cold streak as far as movie selections for podcasts, or maybe she's on a cold streak as far as the ones that she chooses to sit in on. Uh, but after. This one was over. She said, "Why did you make me watch that?" That's that's like her. That's her short review of that. That's my review. That's what I, I think I'm, I might have texted you that exact line. <laughs> Why and did you make me watch this? With you, I come back with. I gave you two options. You didn't go yeah, with your you favorite me, yeah. chompers. You didn't go with Anna Kendrick. So this is this is on you. Uh, which I went ahead and rewatched anyway because I was in the mood for all of this. This these levels of quirk. I was kind of digging this for the first. 10 minutes, I'd say. Wet Hot American Summer. Wet Hot American Summer. Because I I didn't remember much about it. And so I was like, okay. Like, basically, we're going to see 30, 35-year-olds just play horn dogs and just try to have sex with each other. I'm in. This is is fine. Yeah. Now, I'm not, you know, necessarily in for Janine Garofalo's choice of uh, Niles from Frasier as her object of desire. But, you know, Paul Rudd being a total dickhead. Uh, you know, with fooling around with Elizabeth Banks and uh, the like. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. You get into some gags about like uh, something that's falling from space. You the screaming. There was a gag with Janine Garofalo and her her love uh, love guy screaming or whatever. Just like look, they're looking for some guy they're, they're, who's with the kids or something or other. Hey Neil, what's up? Victor abandoned the raft ship. And now the kids are about to go over Devil's Canyon's Rapids! Where did he go? Well, he wanted to get back to camp. So you left campers alone on the river. Look, only Victor knows how to navigate those rapids. We gotta find him and get him back to that river. It's him! Victor! 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 We lost him! Uh, I got him! I got him! Where is he? He's calling from inside the camp! The only other phone is in the infirmary! We gotta go! literally about three minutes of them screaming and just breaking things and i just i had to like take a step back and pause and what is going on what did michael do here are you familiar much with the the, the filmmaker here david wayne any of his other other films i know the name um i'm actually looking at his page right now and i hate him i guess <laughs> just from the IMDb is funny page yeah okay 
so <clears throat> we watched another one that my wife did not did not like uh, of his, which was uh, they came together, and um, uh, that's that's a, I think that one maybe is more more grading because I, I feel like the concept is something that is uh, more easily attainable than Wet Hot American Summer. That one's also got Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, and it's just a send up of rom coms and their tropes. Yeah, uh, but this guy. I think I've seen this. Yeah, I, I thought for sure that would be a slam dunk for me. Um, there's a sequence in that, just what you were talking about, where uh, someone is relaying a story and it gets trapped in like a almost like a who's on first kind of loop, and it seems like they do it for seven or eight minutes straight. Oh God! And <laughs> my wife, I mean, I'm glad I, I'm you know I'm <laughs> not getting into uh, gun control here, but we don't have any guns in the house. And I think that's a pretty good reason right there, because that, for that sequence, I think <laughs> my wife was ready for the, the Romeo and Juliet pact as far as, like, she just could not. She was sitting on the couch. She was, like, standing up. She was, like, getting physically angry at the movie for, for doing this gag uh, to to the point where it's, like, you know, causing someone to have a violent reaction to it. Boy, I know how to pick them, don't I? That's You certainly, <laughs> certainly do. I don't I, – you know, I have kids, so I, we don't, I don't watch movies together with my wife. I watch them either on the treadmill or – you know, kind of on a tablet or something, kind of hidden away. I gave you a shout out. Uh, your your workout regime on sober cinema. I was, I was I, encouraging I my yeah. my co host to to get fit and watch these terrible movies I program for our podcast. I try to recommend the technique. You know, like put that put that television right in front of the uh, in front of the bike and just get it to go. But he says that uh, he's suffering too much pain. <laughs> he really wants to concentrate on the Blue Lagoon and those fourteen year old uh, nubile bodies. Um, yeah, he's not really watching on the treadmill. He's no. watching it in another area of the house with yeah. candles lit. <laughs> Apparently, riding that bicycle is uh, is difficult with an erection, but uh, <laughs> for poor nasty old cat. Is there a Peloton class for that specifically? <laughs> for riding while aroused? Um, it's got like the bike seat. It's got like a special like cavity built in. <laughs> Give you some space. I want to apologize to the, the movie daters podcast. They will never come back and produce another episode. Uh, if they hear this. God, we're, we're sexually charged <laughs> on this show of late. Well, that's what this movie is. This there, there is an insane amount of, of sex in this movie, right? Cause the, the summer camp is meant to be, this, I guess, romantically looking at the summer camp, you look at it and, you know, people have their first kiss and first it's date. A, and a stuff battleground like. for hormones, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But of course in this movie, it's a, it's like, Women and children being taken advantage of. Okay, the very final thing with Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon, who's probably like forty years old here, her she finds romance in a thirteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. Is that that's? I mean, it's not presented ironically. It's not presented in any sort of way. It's just like, hey, this is my new man. I He's did 13. read where the kid was the one who said because apparently in the original, uh, you know, wrap up of that relationship, he was supposed to kiss her or she was going to kiss him and it was up to the, the child actor that's like i'm not really comfortable with with molly shannon uh putting her her tongue in my mouth and i'm like good for you kid because you don't you don't want that on record for your buddies to see that your, your first kiss was no, molly shannon it, i don't know man are, are you are you uh um Making a comment here on Molly Shannon's looks or her appearance? You calling her an uggo? Is that what you're doing? 
No, but there's, I mean, admittedly, there's, I, I do have to check myself. <laughs> what if I, would I have said the same thing if it was Elizabeth Banks was the, the character? Mm. That he, I don't know, but wasn't there something, um, I feel like it was one of the Stranger Things kids, which is a show that uh, neither one of us here on the podcast support in any way that I think, you know, it was one of those like Twitter controversies for, for a day or like two hours uh, where she had her first kiss on screen with one of the other characters and was like, not totally, really? not totally comfortable with it. But I, I can't okay. remember if it was like an improv thing that the, the other actor did, which <laughs> then you're getting into territory of like, Whoa, okay. So there was no, no consent there. This wasn't in the script. Uh, but I'm just saying good for this kid to where, you know, his buddies don't have that <laughs> lording over him. You know, maybe he could, if it was Michael Denston as a, what, 10 year old, maybe I say, Hey, quick rewrite here, bring in banks. Bring in the auteur behind Charlie's <laughs> Angels. I want that or documented. Bring in Michael Dennison. Bring in Bradley Cooper. <laughs> kind of more impressive than Molly yeah, Shannon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, still better than Molly <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> uh, we've derailed to yep. extreme hot or not. <laughs> I, I do like that segment on our, our conversations on my podcast. So, uh, oh, well, you know what? what? What is your podcast you're bringing? Now okay. we, we've got, we'll try to keep it PG. As much as song. I hate this movie, and I, 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 I am wanted to bring something to the table that that highlights that I don't hate quirkiness. I don't. Okay. Uh, I, I can embrace it. There's a movie I really liked from a few years ago called um, The Swiss Army Man. Uh, it's got uh, little Harry Potter and, uh, and Paul Dano, uh, and Harry Potter's dead, and he's farting and doing his whole thing, and it's just ultra quirky movie. So the Carpool Critics, the podcast that I'm bringing to the table. They were talking about how kind of all of these weird things mesh together into a coherent movie that you wouldn't think. It's like it's like throwing you you put together this dish and you're throwing all these crazy spices and seasonings, you know, as your lovely wife would probably do lovingly for you, and you would ignore it listening to podcasts, whatever about Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, <laughs> movie she hated. I don't think I even saw a trailer for this movie. That's good. Uh, before, well, I. I Actually, no, I didn't watch the trailer before I saw the movie, which is very strange. This is exactly the type of movie you want to walk in with no For information. Sure. That's my ammo all the time. Yeah. But but the first thing, the first like moving image I saw of this was uh, somebody who replied to our tweet asking which movie we should watch. And they posted it, the gif of Paul Dano writing, <laughs> writing Daniel yeah. Radcliffe. Legendary and he's just gif. like, it's that moment where he kind of like whips the cord to kind of like make it go faster. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I, man, the the weirdness and the absurdity, the, the surrealness of this movie cannot be overstated, I feel no, like. not at all. So, I mean, it's hard to imagine a way in which it would, I guess you can imagine a way in which it would get weirder. Like, you could put aliens in or something. But, like, beyond anything that, like, going well, in that While direction, still being cohesive. Yeah, yeah. It somehow comes together in this, like, coherent story because I mean the guy is like suicidal in the movie, yeah. And there's fart jokes, and it's just it's it's almost absurd. It's 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 very much this fantasy land, but it works. And in the end, the movie comes together in this really like fun but nice moving way. I don't know what you what your thought is on the, I, on the. I remember liking Man. liking it and then feeling kind of ashamed that I did. <laughs> because it's the premise. Okay, so you're and they sold like it. Kissing Molly Shannon. It's basically yeah, yeah. That's what that's that's what it was. Like the you know they they really did lean into the fact that uh, Harry Potter was going to fart uh, consistently. Oh, yeah. uh, 
uh, in the trailers. At, at one point, he's like that. His farting is so strong; it's like an engine to a boat or yes, something. Yes. Yes. See, even like that, that goes back to what the movie daters were saying. Like you expressing that to me, it makes me think. Like, okay, I didn't really like that movie, did I? Like, because just talking about it uh, sounds greatly upsetting to me. But in the theater, I'm watching it. Like, there's something about like you know, you you've established the the tone. Or it's the the performances that like buy into the reality of it. Yeah, and there's I think that's probably one of my issues with Wet Hot American Summer is there's a little bit too much of like winking at the camera almost uh, about mm, this. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if it's like you need to scale back the the cast, which I mean it's it's large, and a lot of these people did go on to you know uh, <clears throat> further comedic careers like. Uh, even Michael Showalter here, he was the one I couldn't place. Uh, that place he Coop. directed the Big Sick. Yeah, I, I thought I was like, okay, there's you know, I I, I wrote that as a note. I was going to bring it to the to the conversation, but I'm just waiting for that moment. One of the best movies ever made. I, I thought maybe you would uh, give it some bonus points, but instead you're probably holding it against Wet Hot American Summer that he didn't get to his directing career quick enough for it. Because or uh, he did uh, Hello, My Name Is Doris, and one that you really liked, isn't it? Which. Those two movies and their version of comedy drastically different from what Mr. Yeah. Wayne is doing because uh, he's he's kept up that almost – would you call this like a spoof? I mean it's not quite like scary movie territory, but I, I don't think it's that far off from like that or like an airplane. Yeah. No, I think that's spot on. I, I You know what's funny is uh, Michael Showalter – I'm watching him be cuckolded all over the screen. God. I mean, that's literally what's happening. <laughs> you know, I, we, we, we're going to have, like, I guess, weekly debates over this because I, I, I do not agree with your assessment that... <laughs> My definition? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, just losing the, the girl. Uh, in this case, it's a crush that is not... Um, yeah, you know, she doesn't reciprocate uh, for long stretches. So for the most part, I just feel like you're the one that's not chosen is the, the you know it's it's old fashioned this is i don't know i think you're actually trying to kink it up when there's really no kinks to be had here other than Molly Shannon uh molesting a small child look at you that was my screen time report that just came in <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you've been watching the screen time versus you've been watching wet hot American summer way too much. Actually, that was probably more of an alert for blue lagoon on my other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, I would have rather you brought blue lagoon here. Just right here. Just pl place it right into uh Marquez played careful with your words on, on that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I knew this was, well, I didn't know for sure because I, I didn't have the strongest memories of Wet Hot American Summer and at least with the Pitch Perfect where it had a, a trilogy, uh, strangely. Uh, that one uh, I was came out in 2012. I remember digging it and I remember the beats more of this one. Uh, so I actually came in this conversation hoping to uh, to prove you wrong with this, this particular film. But it's, it's also not my particular bag either. I will say this against something like 500 Days of Summer. I think that it's healthier <laughs> to like the quirks in this type of movie than it is 500 Days of Summer. Because Ooh, I think, why is that? I, I'm, now I'm interested. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think I think that the film we talked about last week. I think they got into it. Like I, I don't. That's one thing I liked about 500 Days of Summer is I don't think they were positing that the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character uh, was right. In any way, and it, like I mean, it, his feelings 
are sincere, but um, it's it's his own fault, like the despair that he's yeah. feeling. Uh, and yeah. I, I think that because of the structure of the film, they remind him, and more importantly, they attempt to remind the audience of like, hey, we we set up this is not a love story, and all the the things that he was reading into, he was reading he's reading them wrong. Uh, much like uh, Coop in Wet Hot American Summer. The, re- the problem is, I think that the fans of 500 Days of Summer, <clears throat> and we we kind of got into it that fandom. Maybe they just liked the couple so much they like that quirky character, and I feel like that quirks are um, more desirable in rom coms. That yeah. they they tend to get lost in the romance themselves, and I don't know if that that lesson is learned from from that particular movie from the the fandom there. That hey, don't don't be like this. Wet Hot American Summer. I don't. I don't know what lesson it's it's trying to give, but I don't think anyone's come out of it saying, "Yeah, I want to be Coop or I want to be Paul Rudd from this this movie." I want to be Amy Poehler from this movie. I think Amy Poehler's the one person in this movie that I really, uh, you know, gravitate towards. You know, she's she's running the theater, like she's running the play, the the, the thing, and she's very heavy handed about her 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 desire for quality. Okay, all eyes here. I would like to announce that Ben and I are planning to produce a musical number from Godspell for the talent show tonight. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Ben is producing. I'm directing slash choreographing. I'm only speaking from personal experience, but if you can't carry a tune, don't come into the audition environment and waste our time. For serious, okay? Okay, and bring a lot of movement clothes, a.k.a. jazz shoes, dance belts, lycras, et al. And seriously, FYI, you guys, this is not an excuse to get out of your regular activities. This is an excuse to do some good musical theater. So be prepared, be enthusiastic, and leave your bullshit attitude and baggage at the door, because we don't need it! Hey, She's demanding excellence. This is excellence. very much like... This is your teaching method, and I'm surprised we've not uh, come to whiplash on this, oh, this format coming. yet. Don't, yeah. don't worry, that'll be here soon. Because uh, I guess, I don't know if it's we're waiting for uh, the school season, whenever that starts again, uh, in the age of uh, COVID-19. But you you were definitely on the record multiple times saying that that's that is the way <laughs> that Absolutely. is the, the student teacher relationship that it, that's how it should be. Amy Poehler has a little bit of that here with her theater production. Yes, yes, and th- you know that's how I feel when she's she's talking about like make sure that the quality is there. When I listen to podcasts with really bad sound, you know, <laughs> I refuse. I just take it out of my ear. Like, all right, dude, <laughs> enough of this podcast directed by and their terrible sound. <laughs> Well, there there is terrible sound. I, I sound so different on a podcast directed by because it's not, I guess, my my microphone. Uh, I feel like I'm like extremely bassy on there. That there's some sort of club mix that Dave is putting out <laughs> for a podcast directed by uh, that but, and Dave like being like ten feet away from his microphone, so it sounds like he's in. He's, he's uh, walking and pacing and lecturing like his listeners on the, on the yeah. greatness of uh, hopefully Nancy Myers, but uh, more than likely uh, someone that's not as entertaining. Not Tony Scott, that's for sure. Definitely not Tony Scott. St- still waiting for Tony Scott. I am too. Uh, what you know, and, uh, since this is sometimes a, a podcast about podcasts, uh, I've, I've heard you mention that before. That's one of your your criteria as far as the uh, sound. Yes, sound. Sir. Uh, what if it's a newer podcast, or what if you know what? What is your episode limit where you uh, allow podcasts to sort of work out the kinks? Because I know if I went back and listened to my earliest stuff. Uh, not only from a content perspective, but also probably technical would be atrocious to me now. Yeah, I think that, uh, and in ours as well. Like my other, my other uh, sort of podcast, True Romance. You're producing they, episodes. What do you mean, sort of? You you've you well, been consistent of late. 
Almost. Yeah. I have a bone to pick with you, though. Uh-oh. I know let's I asked be, you a yeah. question, so let's go into tangent within the tangent, like Inception let's do here. It. Where's uh, your bone? Let me see your bone. So you promised me uh, a series on Kevin Costner for, on True Bromance, and then you <laughs> compact it into one fucking episode. I, I was expect, expecting like three months of Kevin Costner talk. <laughs> what know, what's happened? There's just so much. He's so great. I just I could not handle bear the burden. Just too much, too big. And if I could leave a negative review on an episode, it would be that. When I saw that pop up on there, like a Kevin Costner Hall of Fame, which I'm not saying wasn't deserved, but I felt like that should be the culmination of three months of Kevin Costner discussion. (laughs) Well, in the spirit of the Black Lives Matters movement, (laughs) I wanted to compress the white man down. (laughs) Put him in his place. What were you saying again about podcasts? How many episodes again? Not just the sound, but the uh, the content it just has to be there like this. It's good content. What, what are we talking about next? <laughs> Ira, what's what's up? We got to get out I of this ground, conversation. I, 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 I've been thinking about this quite a bit. I want to ground us a little bit. You know, you took us to the highest degrees of absurdity, right? Like yeah. you, you, I mean, those just the absolute. I want to I want to go absurd as well, but I want to go sexy absurd. I want to go to Legends of the Falls. Like very absurd, <sighs> but very sexy. All right, yeah. Uh, this is, um, I believe, just to pimp out your your other show, kind of, sort of, uh, that you weren't <laughs> too enthused about. Uh, I believe we did an episode on uh, the Last of the Mohicans on True Bromance Film Podcast. Yes, sir. Yeah, this, great. This falls into that territory for me, and I'm going to uh, probably hit this point over the head multiple times you have a thing for like bodice ripping action movies yeah i mean this is last mohicans legends of the fall with daniel day lewis and brad pitt i could see them on the cover of a little paperback that uh, a middle-aged woman is fabio is reading yeah yeah very much very much so that's that's a particular quirk of yourself sir that we're gonna get i will into. give you a hint i will give you like a teaser for that episode when i was in the dating pool still you know pre-marriage or between marriages because i'm a i'm a multiple strikeout victim uh, <laughs> i would actually i had a like a, a like a small handful of movies that I would show because I'm a movie guy, so I would like you want to understand like these are the movies that you should watch if you want to kind of understand me. Like I would kind of almost grade my dates based mm-hmm. off of their movie taste. Both of those movies are in that small category of movies. Right. I have to, some one of these days I have to give you the others, but uh, that's in there. It's in the it's in, in the list. Mine was how to understand Hiro. If you mine was. Black Swan, just to see if they're interested in possible uh, lesbian I rem- relationship. I remember this. <laughs> I remember this conversation. Was this between us? Is this on our podcast? I think so. <laughs> or, or was this like a sober cinema thing? I I, I don't. You know, I can't keep. Uh, I guess the the off mic or which podcast conversation yeah, it was at this point. This. There's so many years, yeah. but yeah, I remember uh, putting that out there. I don't <laughs> think I was taken to task for that. I, I I like to think that I was applauded for my craftiness. Well, I mean, I introduced it in, in uh, a different way. You know, my wife walking in on me watching lesbian porn on the big screen is <laughs> kind of my way of doing it. But uh, you are much more refined in your uh, Academy <laughs> Award winning <laughs> lesbian scenes. Uh, I never tell you the time I tried to take my wife to date night to see Neon Demon. <laughs> 
I remember you, you mentioning that, and I was like, man, that is uh, that was a bold choice, sir. That's I was, uh, go- I was going for it. I was going for the. My my wife is on the record. She uh, if she knows it's that director Nicholas Winning Ruffin uh, to leave her out of it. Not a fan. Oh yeah, my wife fell asleep. She hated it, and then she, she when she woke up, she yelled at me. She chastised me all the way to the car. <laughs> I, I mean, I can see why. You know, sometimes at the end of those date nights, you need to go to the uh, the Academy Award winning lesbians. <laughs> Just pull them out, <laughs> have some me time. Oh man! All right, so we're doing uh, Legends of Fall. You know, we will. Uh, we're going to go the other way with this one. You know, we're, we're we're talking about our perversions when it comes to the ladies of the screen. I'm assuming this time around, it's just going to be solely focused on Mr. Pitt. Oh, I'm a Julia Ormond fan. Oh God! Just wait. All right, we'll get into it next week. Jesus, <laughs> that's the way to end. Oh God, <laughs> Julia Ormond. Oh my God. <laughs>